passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock and joining me tonight. He is the man, the myth, the legend himself. Double underscore Andrew Thompson is here with me on Rewind to Dynamite. Andrew, hello and welcome. What's going on, Joe Poe? Good to see you, my man. Always a uh... Always a good time to be able to talk with either you or waiting on one of the post shows. I am, uh, I, I feel fully recovered, man. After you know, I had, to, I think I had a fight with the flu over the past couple of weeks, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like me again, man. I'm feeling like You're recharged, me getting getting back to a hundred percent. As uh, yes, this uh, this illness it took down uh, many of us over this uh, past month. It is that time of the year, so bundle up, everybody. The weather is no joke. COVID is no joke. It's uh, yeah, you gotta. It's 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 that fun time of the year, uh, but we have lots to uh, catch up with and discuss on tonight's edition of Dynamite, starring Shayna Wayne in the closing <laughs> moments of a uh, of Dynamite at the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, but want to let everybody know a few uh, notes before we jump into the news is uh, we are running a contest uh, that is going to be running until Friday, where anyone that is in Toronto has a chance to go see. An advanced screening next Thursday at the Scotiabank Theater of the Iron Claw featuring the Von Erich family. So we're running contests on both our Instagram and our Twitter. So you can just go at Post Wrestling to either social account. And there pinned at the top is all of the details of how you can enter. Uh, very simple contest to, uh, to jump into on Instagram. Just follow us and uh, follow the rules. On Twitter, we are getting a little more creative where we are asking you to cast your wrestling bio out there who would play your if there was a bio on andrew thompson who would play him andrew uh, thompson is eligible for such a wrestling bio out there that uh that maybe one day we, we will see if i had to choose like any actor i don't know i i i, I have no clue if i had to be somebody funny probably like kevin hart or somebody like that like i, I just need somebody hilarious to be in a row you, you've got at least a foot over kevin hart i would say <laughs> Let, let, let me throw that back at you. If you had to choose any actor to play you in a movie, who would be? Oh, I'm going. I'm going straight Macaulay Culkin, man. Let's uh, <laughs> let's just uh, you know, let's let's just keep it from uh, 
uh, Home Alone days and 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 bring it up. But yes, that is, that is just some of uh, the the ideas that you can throw your way, and we will announce the winners on Monday. So again, uh, you don't have to be living in Toronto, but you do have to get to Toronto next Thursday to see uh, the Iron Claw, which uh, the night before the Von Ericks will be on Dynamite next Look at week. That. We, that, we will get that, into that, that. That's like that's like perfect timing right there. It is. Perfect. It is indeed. Um, also want to let people know that our annual uh, post wrestling Christmas show is going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. The post jingle contest. The thread is open at forum.postwrestling.com. You have until December 21st to submit your Christmas themed jingle uh, up on the thread. We will go through all of the submissions on the Christmas show. We will crown a winner for this year. So this is where uh, people can showcase their artistic muscle, their, their musical talents on the annual Christmas show. So that is a, uh, up at forum.postwrestling.com to submit. But let us get into some of the news items before Dynamite. And wanted to start off uh, just coming off of NXT on Tuesday night. And we'll go over the updated card for Deadline this Saturday. But I guess the big headline news coming out of the show, Andrew, is someone that you have spoken with in the past. And that is Wes Lee, who uh, came out into the ring and made this announcement that he's he has suffered a pretty serious back injury. He's going to need surgery, at least on the broadcast. They were throwing out the timeline of 8 to 12 months, and you know, and he's off of deadline, obviously, yeah. and this match with Dominic Mysterio. So it sounds like this was sustained in the four-way last week where he won the shot. It was a hell of a match last week uh, for him to get the shot against uh, Dominic Mysterio, but a very serious setback and came across as somebody that um, it, you, you could really see the emotion here. And this guy, like it, this sounds like this is a, you know, he's had some unfortunate setbacks, not just injury wise, but of course with the firing of Zachary Wentz that really put uh, his team in, or his status, I should say all up in the air where he went from being a featured performer on NXT to now he's a singles guy. And now this is uh, going to be his latest setback. Yeah, that, that that's, that's real rough for Wesley. Like I don't even know, like any like any other way to put it. That's just rough for him. I, I feel I feel uh, terrible for the dude because I'm. I mean, like he, he was having like that initial uh, NXT North American title run. Like he was having like a great, great run. You know, being the whole fighting champion thing, and then, you know, of course Dominic Mysterio when his uh, rise moving to the pitch, and then you know he had to move to the side a little bit. But um, it, it felt like like all signs were pointing to Saturday being Wesley's. Uh, recrowning, if you will. For that's what it felt like. The, yeah, for him getting the North American Championship back. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, that's not going to happen for him. So, uh, yeah, I hope Wesley is able to recover uh, smoothly. But, yeah, that's a that's rough, bro. Back back surgery, that's – I know I, I don't, I know they didn't get into, like, the specifics, you know, of the surgery. Like, we just had uh, Randy Orton who just came back uh, from the spinal fusion surgery. I know they didn't get into the specifics of it, but um, – Man, the just the, the emotion on his face, you could tell it was a like this. This kind of like just came, this kind of just came out of nowhere. Like when I saw him on the screen and he had the the crutch, I was like, I thought they were going to do some type of like work angle, like to, to build some momentum for him going into the show, like him going into the show, and, and then you know you get the official news that this is like something legit. So yeah, it feel, definitely feels terrible for Wesley, man. And that's uh, I hope he's able to recover smoothly from that back injury. That ain't, that ain't no joke, right there. Yeah, and I mean a back, it's. It's like a neck injury. You don't want to rush back from something yeah. like that. Like get it fixed and make sure that like you could have chronic issues. You could have significant like look at Randy Orton. Like that was 18 months out and there was the question, will he come back? Like at least he is young enough that get this fixed properly because that's not a part of the body you want to be, you know, shortcutting. I was about to say just to add on to your point about what you were talking about, like uh, don't like I, I don't think it's like a good I mean, you, I, I get the the optimism of it. 
But like considering how serious and, and, and what could be the nature of this specific back injury, I don't think it's a good idea to like just be like throwing timelines, like saying, hey, this guy's going to be back in a year. Like, there's no way. Hasn't even had that, surgery yet. Like you have, you're right. You have no idea. You, you have no idea when, when this is going to like be fully, fully healed. And then you got to go through the process of, uh, you know, training properly and getting clear about WWE medical. Like, it, it, I don't think there's like any set date on when Wesley is going to be back. Like, again, Randy's been gone for 18 months. So, like, I, I don't think there's like any set date that you can predict or any specific timeline considering this, uh, the severity of, of this injury. But yeah, again, I definitely hope he speeds up. I mean, he, um, you know, recovers smoothly and, you know, this, this doesn't hinder his his long-term career. So in his place will be Dragon Lee, who is going to challenge Dominic Mysterio, and they're going to have Ray in Dragon Lee's corner. So this is a match they did not all that long ago. And I'm wondering if if you just continue the run with Dominic at, at this point, or do you just yeah. do the... Like, it really did feel like this was going to be the, the send-off for Dominic to lose to Wesley. Like, the whole story had been built around that. I guess you could go a different direction with Dragon Lee and... He's going back and forth between the main roster, but it seems like he's starting to get his feet under him on SmackDown that I, this kind of just feels like, like a fill in, like you could do it. It's just, yeah. there, there's really, you know, little, it, it's not the momentum that you had with Wesley of building up this whole thing of him going home, coming back and then working his way back to this title. Yeah. I was actually about to ask you that. Like, did you think you, did they just continue? I, I, I mean, I think at this point you might as well. Just because I'm because you, uh, I think Dominic has beaten Dragon League twice already in their North American title matches. Like he's two and zero on them. You might as well just go go to third. I'm pretty sure Ray is going to factor in. You know, Rhea's going to be at ringside. You know, I'm assuming that she's going to help him win. But I mean, at this point, I kind of would just you know just continue on with Dominic's reign. You know, just to continue for, further continue this whole Judgment Day having all the gold type of thing. You might as well. I mean, I mean, you you could put the title on Dragon Lee, but like you said, Dragon Lee, it, it feels like. Dragon if you want to do, fight. like, the feel-good win and we were going to do a yeah. title change, like, you you could do it. And the fact he's 0-2, like, maybe you do just give him the win here. I mean, it seems as though, you know, it's they had this curveball, so you have to make do with what, what your plans are, where you want to go from it uh, from there. Ilya Dragunov against Baron Corbin for the NXT Championship. If uh, if Ilya wins, uh, perhaps he'll be able to fly his family over for Christmas. That sounds like the, uh, the biggest uh, incentive for him here. And then our Iron Survivor Challenge matches. The men's match has Dijak, Trick Williams, Josh Briggs, Braun Breaker, and Tyler Bate. The women's match, Tiffany Stratton, Latch Legend, Blair Davenport, Kalani Jordan, and Fallon Henley. Did you like these uh, matches last year, the concept of them and how they were executed? I mean, they kind of borrowing from several different gimmick matches, but certainly yeah. a, a king of the mountain feel to these. Yeah, it was uh, some interesting, some different. I'm always down for some different, some, I guess, fresh per se. This this year is still uh, for the men's Survivor Challenge. It's kind of kind of eh. like I don't really know. How I feel like I'm I'm much more interested in the, in the women's uh the, the women's uh, uh portion of the, the Survivor Challenge is much more um interesting field in, in in terms of like in the different directions that these individual characters could go coming out of this. But the men's Survivor Challenge is kind of just like I don't really. I mean, the, I think the only interesting thing for me in there is is Trick Williams and how that plays into Carmelo Hayes as well, because mm-hmm. he's also featured in this card. I'm pretty sure he's going to bring that up, man, who, who, who his opponent is. I actually got a question for you about that, too, uh, about that, his, his, his opponent and his, uh, you know, his, his trajectory in, in NXT so far. I've said a lot of mixed reviews about this gentleman. But, um, but, but yeah, the, the, the Ask Survivor Challenge, I'm, I'm, I, I like the concept. It's, you know, I'm always down for something new. 
what, what do you think about the the, the Asabella challenge and the, the fields for, for for this year's uh, men's and women's matches? Well, first of all, I thought the concept came off well last year. I thought like the matches, like they they did a good job with them. They were they were entertaining. They were fun and. It's usually whenever there's a new stipulation match and there's this laundry list of stipulations, you think it's going to be confusing. But then in the execution, like it came across fine in terms of the field. Um, like the men's one is interesting because like I, I, I think Trick and Carmelo Hayes is the hottest program they have going at the moment. So I don't even you can certainly continue this where it's it's Trick winning yet again and Carmelo Hayes still feeling like he's now being moved to, to the shadow. But it's not like Trick even needs this at this point. Like his yeah. his focus is Carmelo. I think that should be I think that should be WrestleMania weekend that you can mm. hold this off until then. I think that's a really big match for for them to build to, and I think they've been doing a really effective job at it so far. Would Lexus King be my foil in all of this? I don't know. <laughs> Lexus King has not lit the world on fire for me. Yeah. Uh, coming in like it to me is um, the promos haven't been there. I you know you came in and so much of the focus was about the father. And we, you can't really stick with that too long, but I don't know. He's, he's an odd part in the middle of this. Like he feels much closer to like a Joe Gacy than he does, you know, mm. one of your like top line players. And then you've got like a Braun Breaker who to me, like this Bro, guy he, he, is, he is just, he is just like bad in his time. Dude, like, he graduated <laughs> and he's coming back in September just to hang out after school. It's like, dude, man, you're. You've moved on. Like, it's, it's like, like, this like, is a victory like, lap. Like that senior like who graduated and always come back on, on campus. Bro. Like, you know. That's it. That's it. It's like, yeah, the campus adult. Um, Yeah, this guy to me, he's just like, he's he's moved on to me. I just think he's biding time here. I would, I would, I feel kind of similar with Roxanne Perez. Like, I think both of them yes. are at that point where I feel they could both make, make the leap at this point. And for Breaker, I don't know what more you're waiting for. Like, he... He took to this heel character seamlessly. I think it. I think it was worthwhile to have him try out yeah. as a heel on NXT. But he's done great. I think he could be a really effective heel, and that I, uh, you know, I, I, I would certainly look at this as you know your your time to be looking at what's what's the exit strategy here. I'm about to say, especially for Roxanne Perez, like I, I think that it's always good to have like that uh good like that good white meat baby face that you can root for and 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 and, and pull behind and stuff like that I, I, I never there's been a lot of people who's been saying that roxanne should have been called up by now but like at this point she i think she's kind of treading into that like that brawn breaker territory where it's kind of just feels like she's just like waiting for the or, or they're just waiting for the right moment i don't know if there is ever going to be like that perfect moment for every single talent that you're waiting to call up i think sometimes you just got to do it and just see what sticks and see what happens. And then most of the time, like, especially in the case of Braun Breaker, like you said, he's taken to this heel role really, really well. So, I mean, I, I think that that would be like a seamless transition for you to just move him. And you already have the um, the established thing there with Seth Rollins. Like, that, I think that would be a great way to introduce him on the main roster. Again, is he on the, did, he, did he beat Dolph Ziggler for the, for the NXT title on Raw? Like last year or something yeah, like that? Yeah, they did the title yeah. swap. swap. Yeah, there you then, go. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So, so I mean, you, you can just reintroduce. You just reintroduce him on Monday Night Raw. You already got this type of thing with Seth Rollins. That would be a great way to make him feel like a big deal. Feel like, hey, I'm the guy coming after the world heavyweight title. It's it's like ready made. And if for Roxanne, like again, I'm I'm always a big fan of like having like that like white bee baby face that you know actually comes off as genuine. So yeah, I mean, like, you got two people who kind of just bad their time. And if for Lexus King, I, 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 it, it, it's not hidden for me, man. Like the beard is terrible. It's not it's not working. I, I don't. Like I just like all jokes aside, like I just don't, I just don't feel like the character is connecting the way that they are trying to to get it to connect. It's not coming off 
Like I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not feeling it, and I don't, I don't know what he can do to make it work. But I, I feel but like this is a pretty big it. stage for him on on yeah. Saturday to go out and have a big match. You're you're there with Carmelo Hayes. Like they they should be able to have you know it. Like I, I think this will be kind of a lot of people's sort of um their decision making on Lexus King in terms of you know can this guy step up and have a have a big match here. A lot of it has been the character stuff. His limited matches, I I don't think they've been all that. Uh, they haven't stood out in a big way. So this yeah. is this is his opportunity to kind of you know if if you've been doubting him, I, I guess you could see how he performs here with Carmelo because it's it, it is a big angle and he's kind of this uh, foil that they have in in the middle of it all. Uh, but I, I have a similar opinion to you so far on the introduction of him. And then rounding out the card is uh, Roxanne Perez and Kiana James in a steel cage match. And also added on the pre-show will be Axiom against Nathan Frazier. So this is looking like a very interesting card. I will I will say I think this is some of the best work Baron Corbin has done in the, in this yeah. uh, lead up. Like, you know, I, I'm not advocating for him to win this title, but I think he's been fine in terms of a like one pay-per-view cycle as your, your challenger. And I, I guess the question is, how much more is this sort of what you max out with Baron Corbin? Cause I don't see his prospects being much different once he goes back to the main roster eventually. Like this is a fine spot for him. This kind of feels like the, um, the apex, if you will, of Baron Corbin's NXT one. Like now it's kind of feels like he'll be another person that is kind of just biding their time and just waiting. But like at the same time, you might want to keep him in NXT cause it's been some of the, um, it's been able to rejuvenate him in a way. But when you say if you, I, I think if they send him back to the main roster, it'll just be kind of he'll just be it'll kind of be like an Apollo Crews situation. Like Apollo Crews kind of found himself in NXT. Who, who's found himself who's again this? In I'm, NXT. I'm not familiar. Apollo <laughs> Crews. I I I only watch uh, WWE. I don't. I'm not familiar with this Apollo Crews you speak of. Dude, like Apollo, he like really was able to at, at least gain some type of character in NXT. Went back to the main roster. This dude just vanished. Vanish, and I think it's going to be the same exact thing for Baron Corbin. I think he'll go to the main roster, probably have a match or two, reintroduce him, uh, and they'll try to do something. It won't click, and then he'll be on the sidelines back to square one. I think it will be in the exact same situation. Couldn't Apollo see this coming in the future? <laughs> that, that 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 was one of the runs, uh, the, one of the turning points about this character work that I was uh, not a fan of. I, I know me, uh, Braden Harrison. We did a um, podcast. I think it was Halloween Havoc 2022. We were calling him Spooky Cruise because he kept seeing this in a few. It was hilarious. Anybody, anybody go check go check that out on the, the up next section of postwrestling.com. You go. Me and Braden Harris to talk about Apollo Cruz and his visions. We need an update if his if his, if his kids are back to watching uh, Raw and SmackDown now. They they stopped. Remember that promo? He's like, my kids yeah. wouldn't even watch SmackDown anymore when I was doing this uh, the, the character. So there you go. That is deadline coming up Saturday night. And Braden and Davey will uh, will have you covered. They will be doing a show live on Saturday night. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit about uh, any of your takeaways. Randy Orton was on the Impulsive podcast with Logan Paul. Uh, you wrote a couple of stories for the site. I have not had a chance to. Li- I, I I saw some clips of Orton speaking about this. His his time away over the last eighteen months, teaming with Matt Riddle. Um, but what what did you take from the interview and kind of the the spirits that Randy Orton is in? This is his, I guess, first notable interview since coming back. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like um, in, in terms of like the the interview style, it felt like uh, I, I wasn't expecting like any like um groundbreaking questions like from Logan Paul. It, it kind of just felt like a guy who is very much admires his coworker and somebody who he's watched for a certain period of time. And that's kind of what it felt like. Got all the like the um. 
the, the questions one would think like a Logan Paul would ask, and especially uh, for his audience, mm-hmm. you know, that may not be like within the ins and outs of, of, of pro wrestling, and they understand it to a certain extent and understand these characters and these names to a certain extent. Um, Randy speaking about his time uh, away, you know, being off eighteen months in the, in the, in the spinal fusion surgery. You know, he talked about how um, you, you know it, it, it was it became very rough for him to even you know, do certain things like, you know, just get on the airplane or whatever like that because he had slipped discs in his back. And like, it, it was just, it just became like very rough for him to like, just, you know, do basic things about pain shooting down his legs and, you know, the, the things that you would expect that you've heard over time from various wrestlers who've had these uh, either neck or back or spinal injuries, any, anything of the sort. And uh, like he, he did uh, mention that uh, his tag run with Matt Riddle, that's last portion, like the, the back end of that run, he like expressed uh, gratitude too riddle for taking the uh physical brunt of their matches because randy said if he if, if he was if that was like a solo thing he wouldn't have been able to, to 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 get through that but he he did say like later on in the interview like he said that he felt like he had a lot left in the in the tank like he's 43 years old but that's that old like randy just been in wwe so long that i think that he appears or, or people may think he's older than what he is he's 43 years old but that's, that's still young relatively young so i mean you know, he, he was talking about like that and, you know, still feeling like he had a lot left in the tank and, you know, talked about his match with Dominic and, you know, talked about like the, the, the RKO with Seth Rollins. And, you know, he, he had all the hits in, in, in the interview, but it wasn't anything uh groundbreaking, if you will. But, it, but you know, when you have a name like Randy Orton who doesn't really do that much media, you know, it's always going to be a, a, a couple stories in there when you have a, a talent of that magnitude who tends to, uh, stay out of the media, if, if you will, to a certain degree when it comes to doing these public interviews. The riddle run for like all the discussion of it, I think the most that Orton got out of it, other than, you know, being able to, you know, get, get by when now we know how physically limited he was, but it was also the first time we got to see him really embrace like a baby face run. Like he, yeah. it was just something that never clicked with him back when they tried, like he was just a natural heel. And now you've seen him come back. He's, He's gotten great reactions. The numbers have been strong for the limited segments that he's been in. And, you know, he's definitely got this this run as a baby face. You could turn him down the road. But they, you know, for all the talk of CM Punk overshadowing this guy, like, I don't think that was the case. I think it Randy's did. had a pretty big yeah. return. And he's he they built the whole SmackDown around him last Friday. And it feels like a big deal that he's back. And y'all have him on SmackDown and presumably Punk on Raw. Hey, do you think... uh it's gonna be Randy versus Roman at the the Rumble. I do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's yeah. the direction to go. It's it's a hot program to do. Randy is as over as he's ever been at the moment. Right. Um. I think that's the match to go to. Yeah. Let, let, let me ask you this: You you bring up Punk. Since he's gonna be on SmackDown this Friday, you you got to do some type of interaction with him and Heyman, right? Like it's it, like that. that, that I, I feel like that's something that is so obvious. Or, or do you kind of save that for like I guess later down the line, especially considering like it, it seems like he's just going to be on Monday Night Raw, so like it kind of maybe you just doing it just to do it. But like I, it, I know that it would yet. seem, you know, un- unless they have some deliberate reason not to, I could see at least some kind of acknowledgement they they pass right. by in the hallway. I think they'll they'll do something in in that right. regard. I, I would right. think so. So yes, we will see CM Punk on a tribute to the troops this Friday with um what what's the uh, the, the the husband and wife duo that they've added, the war and the treaty are the, uh, the group that is playing on, on Friday. So are you talking about the band? Oh, the band. Yes. The war and treaty, I think is what it's called. Or anyway, music that I have not heard. uh, uh, Andrew, You want to know what's so funny? I saw, um, 
uh, like this this article about the new Morgan Waller, who's uh, I think he's performing with the, uh, the 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 band. Not good things about that man. I've uh, heard, heard definitely seen. It's a video out there about him. Like that, he he says some some things on camera. Morgan Waller has a. Uh, this is the guy that performs with the group that's playing on SmackDown. I I, I think he's in the song. He's oh, he's in, in like, the he's, song. He, he, okay. he's, he's, he's featured on the song. He he, he said the N word like in a video. Like, he was arguing with somebody. He like he just like he let that thing fly. Like he just. Oh like, boy. It, it, I, I I think it was from twenty twenty one, but like the video had like resurfaced like on on social media and stuff. Like he like just floating around. And I saw it on Twitter and stuff like that, and I was like, "Oof!" Uh, yeah, I'm pretty what's sure his like, name? What's his name again? Mor- Morgan Waller. Well, maybe they'll be asked. Can you just change the lyrics to uh, "Grace <laughs> Waller"? For uh, we don't want to reference this guy. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, Morgan they've also Waller, got a guy. Hardy is yeah. uh, doing one of the themes as well for Friday. Hardy. A WWE yeah. favorite uh, as well. So. And Jelly Roll. Is Jelly Roll like, performing? No, 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 no. I, I was just blowing him up because he was on the. Oh, uh, we could have had all the all the hits there, man. <laughs> Boy, uh, I don't know how much we're selling tribute to the troops for people, but that's that's what's coming up on Friday. Um, Will Osprey has been added uh, to TNA's Snake Eyes event, so he's going to be doing Battle in the Valley on Saturday night, which is the same night as Hard to Kill, and then Sunday night he will be doing Snake Eyes. So this is back-to-back nights for TNA as it will be rebranded that weekend uh, happening in Las Vegas. And I guess it remains to be seen with Osprey's deal with AEW. How much will he be? We know that he'll be doing select New Japan dates. Will that extend to having the freedom to do you know other select shows? He was very high on the idea of t- doing TNA, but... You know, if if I am AEW, I'm looking at a big investment yeah, that, here. And do I want this guy going out and doing all of these independents and doing TNA? It's like, we'll let you do New Japan, but we yeah. don't want you doing the G1. And, you know, do, do you really have to be going and doing your call shows at, at this stage when we're paying you all of this right. amount and cannot allow you to get hurt, especially before Wembley? I say, Osprey, he, he's going to be like joining AEW full time for the road to the road to revolution, right? So yes. he said he's going to be. Yeah, and he, what's the uh, the week before Battle in the Valley? What's that? Uh, um, Wrestle Kingdom. He'll be in the three way. He's, uh, he's doing Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. Presumably, Dash the next day. He'll he'll be yeah. on, and then yeah, that um, then the following week is this double shot here with uh, Battle in the Valley and Snake Eyes. Yeah, I, I definitely think when we get to that revolution build up to that that show, I definitely think that Tony Khan is probably gonna be like, all right, let's let's slow it down. AEW exclusive type type thing. I mean, Osprey's a high commodity man. Like he's like I, I think this year he is the best wrestler like out, out there for this year. Like just the match quality this dude is at, and he's as hot as he's ever been. Like in terms of like the popularity and like just the intrigue around his matches and the things that he's been able to do. So I definitely think at some point Tony Khan's probably going to tone that down in terms of like what these like hit these different markets and stuff like that. But also, I, I'm I'm very interested in him because I, I know there was a report out there that Osprey is um going to continue residing in the UK. Yes. So I so I mean, you one would assume if he's going to be living in the UK that he'll continue working with Bear Pro and like he's openly spoken about that relationship that he has with Andy Cool Dan and Andy Cool Dan has spoken about the relationship with Osprey. I can definitely see Red Pro being carved into yeah, like, you know the the, the I, odd show that he does there exactly. Yeah, I can definitely see him still collaborating and working with Red Pro. Um, as far as like TNA and stuff like that, 
I, I think that's definitely going to slow down. I think Osprey just getting that in for for the time being. Hey, hey, hey what is your um your like interest level in the the TNA rebrand? Like, does that does that like do anything for you, or is it kind of just like like no, cool? it's, it's cool for what it is, or is it like kind of just like you know? Here's the thing: if like I I find Impact to be a really enjoyable product most weeks. Mm-hmm. It's it's two hours. I I enjoy the show most weeks, so it's like I I like watching that show each week. If if I didn't have that interest, um, the branding would mean absolutely nothing. I would think my hope, if I'm Impact, is that this does bring about some curiosity for that pay per view that people tune in, and it is like a good product. It's not like they have this awful product and are just putting the yeah. TNA letters up there, and people are going to tune in and not be interested in the show. Um, but the branding itself means nothing to me. I, I don't think anyone is tuning in or out because of the name of the show, but they, they have genuinely improved from a time when they were like a couple of years ago, like you, you couldn't buy good press if you were impact wrestling and they have yeah. definitely gotten out of that, uh, that position. Now it's just fighting for attention. Like just as we mentioned, like hard to kill, they're going up that night against battle in the Valley. Like you're fighting yeah. for the same fans that are and collision. That's a Saturday night collision. Jeez, so Christ. you're just, it's really tough when you're asking people to spend money on your product and they've got other options and you're fighting for this, this wrestling fan base that they only have so many hours on a Saturday night to, to watch this. And are they going to make that time for a, for a TNA? And perhaps it'll be, if there's curiosity, it's that show because of the first time back and, yeah. and what they do uh, as well. So yeah, um, you and I are going to have to discuss what the what what are we going to do on that Saturday night? That's going to be. <laughs> I'm I'm realizing how many shows are going on that that particular night. Great. One thing on the AEW or even TNA front as well. Uh, coming up, I think it's like within a, a week or so, maybe ten days, is when all of those ninety day non competes are up from the last mm. round of WWE talent cuts. I would assume yeah, most are that. placing like your Mustafa Ali's, Dolph Ziggler's at the top of that list, but. Like, do you see AEW taking a bite on any of them? Uh, uh, several of them? Like, are, are there any that kind of makes sense to you when you do have this loaded roster at AEW, but Tony Khan seems to have this uh, continued appetite to sign guys? It, it's so crazy. Like, it's like it, it, the, the new the wrestling news cycle is is so crazy. Like, when you think about all those releases that happened that September, late September, like, it, it's only been like two months. And like, that, that seems like yesteryear. When all those people got uh, cut uh, from from WWE, I saw. Um, and they always do it on your day too, as well. It's always on a, on a Tuesday or Thursday, but uh, like I saw Mason on um, Mansquad, they got announced for the GCW at the GCW show. I saw right. that, and um, Dolph. I mean, as far as Dolph goes, like I think Dolph and Ryan Nimitz in AEW, that kind of feels like just a, a given kind of thing. Like I, I feel like that'll happen at some point. So somebody who I'm very interested in to see what they do. Sheldon Benjamin, right. I, I I still feel Sheldon has a lot to offer, especially from a backstage perspective. Like I, I think that he would be a nice fit. I mean, I could see him going to going to TNA, being a part of that as well. I think they would utilize him very well. Um, like in, in terms of like the the, the AEW aspect, I, I I don't think it's um you just want to be like signing any and everybody. But I also think that t- on, on the TNA front, moving back to them, I feel like they do a very good job of finding a spot for most people on their roster. Like if you you can be in any position most of the time on TNAs or impact roster and they'll find something that'll work or try to make it work. And they've done that for like majority of talents that have come through their locker room over the past several years or so. 
So I can see a couple of those. Like I can see um like like an Aaliyah fitting in at Impact and then finding some type of career resurgence. It might not be like on a grand scale, but it'll be something to the level of which Impact can offer her to where she'll be able to build up some more value for herself. I can see that happening for her uh, at, at an Impact. And um, I can see like a, a Mason or Mansois leaning into like the comedy, Johnny Swinger, Zicky Dice type of role where they'll be able to add a, a new element to what they've already built with that that, that ongoing existing thing. But uh yeah, There's a higher a probability, I would say, of creative fulfillment in TNA. Yeah. Like you, if you're weighing like money offers that come your way, certainly like AEW would likely have the edge there. But if you're somebody that like AEW is a crapshoot in the sense that you might go there and you could just be lost in the shuffle. Like there is just so many of those. Like maybe That's you'll break it. through, but maybe yeah. not. And in Impact, it's it's a much more it's a smaller roster, but. Like if I was a female performer, like my roadmap would be a Diana Perazzo who, like, mm. where does she go if she was signed with AEW? Like maybe it would have turned out great for her, but Impact was a great choice for her. And I think she, and she doesn't wear that X WWE label like some others do. Like she was yeah. there in NXT, but hardly is classified in, in, in that, in that kind of a way. WWE guy, WWE girl type thing. Yeah. yeah. That's not her. Yeah, for sure. She did Diana Peraza. She, but you want to know what you're talking about? Somebody who's, um, I mean, I, I think Trinity will always be, um, remembered amongst most fans, you know, for her time at W. She was there for so long, but like, dude, I'm like, I mean, I'm not shocked at how her run has turned out at Impact, but dude, she, it seems like from just all accounts and like from hearing her interviews, seeing like the, the, the videos and stuff that's been posted from her, her various roster members and hearing Scott DeMoore talk about it, dude, she fits in like a glove there. Like it seems like she's just having like a ball in in in, in impact in TNA. Like I, I honestly, like, I remember I talked about it with uh, Nate and Chris on the NWA podcast. Like when she initially put her schedule out, I thought that she was just going to be there from that initial introduction to Slammiversary, and that was going to be like it. And then maybe she'll go to AEW or you know you know. I, I, I mean, at that point, I wasn't thinking like WWE because I I figured like hell would have to freeze over at some point for 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 some for something to go down with that, but um. Like, dude, she she is, like, really, like, fit in really well. They, like, treated her great. Like, the storylines have been very consistent for her. Like, she's had consistent challenges, like, really solid matches. Dude, I, I've been, like, really impressed with uh with, with how Trinity's running impact has turned out. Like, it's uh, very, very, very interesting to see how that's all unfolded. But, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of, like, impact might be the the, the best destination for for this specific group batch of talent that were released in September. Um, but definitely on the AEW side, I can see like a Sheldon Benjamin and a Dolph Ziggler heading over to the AEW. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio, if you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Last few notes here. The uh, the New Japan World Tag League, uh, the final round-robin matches of the A-Block went down today where 
Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd defeated Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols. And earlier in the show, Tomohiro Ishii and Yano uh, got beat by Great Okan and Hanare. So that eliminated Ishii and Yano. So Coughlin and Kidd and TMDK end with 10 points. And they move to the semifinals. So Coughlin and Kidd, because of the tiebreaker, beating Haste and Nichols, um, they will face the second-place finisher of the B block. TMDK faces the winner of the B block. And that will go down Thursday. With the B-block matches, it's just down to two matches. The two advance with uh, Goto and Yoshihashi against Taichi and Yuya Uemura and Lance Archer and Alex Zane against El Fantasmo and Hikuleo. Semifinals are Friday. Finals are on Sunday. And then the, uh, yeah, have you been following any of the uh, the World Tag League? This is sort of a tournament that has uh, come and gone in a slew of uh, tournaments that are going on at, at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I'm mostly keeping up like with the stuff that you and Neil do. On the site, like mostly just keeping up with the results, like that. That's why I haven't, I haven't seen like much of the World Tag League. Like I've gone to like watch, I guess like one or two matches that I found interesting, but for the most part, I really haven't been keeping up. But I saw that uh, uh, Rinda Rita joined House of Torture. Yes. What is that? I'm sure. I'm sure W H Park was uh, just sitting back and uh, basking in this uh, wonderful, (laughs) wonderful trajectory now for uh, Rinda Rita. Yes. So he is a. uh, out of strong style into House of Torture. So there you go. That's uh, all of your news. You can uh, read myself, Andrew, Neil Flanagan, up at postwrestling.com. All the latest news. We've got stuff today on uh, AEW's viewership figures for the last month. The uh, All Japan uh, Real World Tag League wrapping up today with uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima and Hokuto Omori mm. winning that tournament as well. So plenty of tournaments going on, uh, including the Continental Classic that was mm. on on focus on Wednesday night at Montreal's Bell Center, their second night in a row at the Bell Center, because on Tuesday night they taped Collision, which will air Saturday. So mm-hmm. we're, uh, we're we're taping into the future here, where they had to technically tonight was before last night's taping, like yeah. in canon, technically. So um, a, a confusing bit, but regardless, uh, second night, the bell center, they wrestle ticks reporting over 5,200 tickets, which was a fine amount that they got. Maybe a little, uh, Tuesday was a very disappointing number. They were under 3000 for a market mm. like Montreal. And the first time you're going there, um, w- would be disappointing. I would say 5,200 is like a fine number for, for dynamite, uh, regardless, doesn't, uh, not a sellout, but at least a lively crowd tonight. What would you say the the tape aspect? Like, would you say that? Would you would you like accredit that to the the attendance number for the Tuesday show? Like the fact that it wasn't like a live broadcast. I think there's several factors. I'm sure that running a Tuesday night had its impact on, on it as well. The fact is, up here in Canada, uh, to watch Collision, it's only on a streaming service that you have to pay additional for. So I would say the viewership of Collision is probably pretty low in in Canada. And I think it just overall, like there was not a whole lot of promotion for the the first night and all of the attention seemed to be on Christian and Adam Copeland for the second night and dynamite being like the stronger brand of the two. I think it's a big ask for people. If you don't have some big blockbuster shows to go, go two nights in a row. So I, I think it's several factors, but still, I thought their first time in Montreal, like this is one of those last markets they hadn't been to that, that could do sizable business. Um, but and they did announce a Canadian tour for next year, uh, not including Montreal, by the way, in uh, in, in that return. So we will see when they come back here. But starting off the show was John Moxley and Roosh in the Gold League. Moxley has six points. Roosh has three. And 
early on, they fight into the crowd. Roosh grabs a beer can and knocks Moxley with the beer can. And I like rewound this. I'm like, was that a beer can? And it damn sure looked like a beer can. And maybe you can give some leeway that Roosh just didn't put two and two together. But this was a, a really odd spot that I don't think that uh, John Moxley should be the the subject of a alcoholic beverages oh, yeah, yeah, being yeah. thrown at uh that that seemed like a, a weird one so i don't know if there was just messages crossed or roosh not thinking here but this uh it definitely struck some people uh online afterwards but mm. i mean this this could be a case of just uh just just ignorance to the situation but w- one of those like weird moments in the match yeah i i, I think i saw like a couple tweets about that and i, I didn't like when i saw it in in real time i didn't think anything of it but then i hopped on twitter and i saw a couple people like making some tweets about it. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, I mean, I, well, I, I kind of just, I, I guess I would just like chalk that up to what you said, just like, you know, the ignorance on, on Roosh's part and not in a negative sense, but more so just like grabbing something out the crowd and just throwing just it at doing, it, doing like a heel tactic, but yeah, then yeah, 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 realizing yeah. after the fact, like this is uh, probably not the guy to be doing the spot with, but right, right. regardless, match continues. Uh, Moxley ran at Roosh on the floor and got hit with an overhead belly to belly into the guardrail. Uh, Roosh at one point tries to lift him up for a cross-arm pile driver, couldn't get him up, and then just gives a regular pile driver. And they beat the count after a dive from Moxley. They're striking. The bull's horns get stopped with forearms and then a big lariat out of the corner by Moxley. Hits the Death Rider. Roosh kicks out. So Moxley goes to the choke and puts Roosh out at 14 minutes and 31 seconds. And with Moxley improving to 3-0, and it puts Mark Briscoe and Jay Lethal in a position where they have to win tonight or they are eliminated from the tournament. But uh, what did you think about the the opener on the show? Yeah, it was a solid opener. I, mean, I was expecting, you know, Mox and Roosh basically just beat the shit out of each other. That, that's kind of what I thought so, uh, going into the match, and then I think they did just that. I, I, I really like um, – I, I know we're going to talk about it later, but I really like the matchup of uh, – Mox and Swerve, like I, I, I really enjoy that dynamic and, and what that could be. Um, and, and you know, it's happening next week. I, I think that's like the perfect matchup for because we, we we have dove and did like a big uh, segment, if you will, about this when we talk about the NWA podcast about like Swerve's trajectory and like where he should go with this long term versus short term gratification. But going back, we we gonna get into all that. But yeah, as far as Mox versus Rouge go. Um, yeah, solid match. Um, I, I've enjoyed the, the, the Continental Classic so far. I'm always big on anything with stakes in pro wrestling. I always like something like shit that matters. So, I mean, yeah. I always enjoy, like, just, you know, I mean, these are, like, a, 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 a string of matchups among some of your uh, top talent in the men's division where it matters for the majority of these talents and what the outcome could be in terms of their trajectory going forward in AEW. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I enjoy Mox versus Rouge. Yeah, not not the match of the show, but like fine opener. Like there the, the, there was like some momentary stuff where they were like a, a little off, but overall crowd was into this. And yes, hey, what, what, uh, what'd you think about a uh, kick pad Moxley? What'd you think about that Moxley and kick pads? Did you, did you yeah, the uh, what, what did Swerve call them? The like dollar store kick pads that he <laughs> that he had out there. So yes, he got uh, he got mocked for these by Swerve uh, a little later on as a uh, Moxley. Uh, we we got uh, a new look from him and no blood in this match as well. Look John at that, Moxley. bro! So, I, I I know the scar tissue in his head. It's just like, oh my goodness! Like, just yeah. No, maybe the, the holidays are coming up. He's gonna be maybe at some family get-togethers. Maybe he just wants to give it a rest, and then he's just gonna go to town in January. Then we had a video on uh, the history of Jay Lethal and Jay White with White looking up to him in ROH, but now things have changed. They're one and one in their past singles matches, and they will meet later on. 
Renee Paquette brought out the uh, the kingdom with Roderick Strong, and Roderick is uh, wheeled out, and uh, apparently the the crowd was chanting in French, and uh, thanks to uh, Pat Laprade translated for us that they were they were chanting, "We don't give a fuck." Um, at the, at this, so they were really? not, not fans of this. And Roderick predicts that MJF is going to put a dagger in his new best friend by proxy, Samoa Joe. And Renee's questioning if he's really right about MJF. And Strong notes that there's consequences for your decisions. There's a reason that I'm in a wheelchair every day because I live with those consequences until now. And he stands up from the chair. Um, this is not quite get the reaction Linda McMahon did at WrestleMania when she stood up in the corner. But uh, he will no longer be held back. And the wheelchair has held him back for far too long. Like, has it? This guy wrestled Action Andretti like two weeks ago. Yeah, no, so right. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the, uh, uh, of the Roderick Strong I, stuff. I, I, but... I, was to, I was about to ask you, you have, have you not enjoyed the bit, the whole like, if, if the I, commentators playing along, like, oh my god, it's a miracle. This is that. this is kind of like the joke you hear for the first time, and it, it's really funny, and then. You just continue it over and over and over and over again. At this point, I got it. And I don't quite understand that he wrestles, but he's also in this wheelchair. Is like, is that the joke? Um, anyway, it's, it's, it's run its course for me. And it seems like the wheelchair has been ditched here. They just tossed it off the stage. And, uh, and that, and that was that for Roderick Strong. There is a part of me that I'm not going to lie. I, I did enjoy the old, like just the, the, the sarcasm of him, like, I, I, I think it's if he's hurt, but then like going out here and having these matches, like doing random run-ins and like doing high knees to people, like and then falling back. There, there was a part of me that did, I honestly enjoy it, but like it, it, there, there was a point I don't know exactly when, but when it kind of just became like, okay, can we like get rid of the wheelchair at this point? So I'm glad they're moving away from that. It seems like, and hopefully we can move away from the whole neck brace thing, just get Roderick Strong back in the ring and doing what he does and moving forward with this storyline. Dude, it, it's so crazy, like the um. Like I, I, I mean, I, I think it's like obvious at this point, but just like the effect of Adam Cole's injury, like on so many of these different pockets of, of the storylines, and then I, I just wonder how, um, like, what would have been and how things would have progressed if that injury at Grand Slam had not happened. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's interesting to think about in hindsight. We should also note that uh, Fightful had the report that uh, Kyle Kyle O'Reilly has apparently been backstage at some recent shows. Oh, that's good. And- could be on the cusp of returning and there's seems like such a natural that like this guy's legit been out with like neck fusion surgery that yeah. it seems to like fit like a glove to insert him somewhere in this whether it's with the to. kingdom and roddy or opposing yeah. them that he could come ready made for what's you know a fairly pushed angle here with, with all of them you, you got to so as soon as kyle get back whenever he's like i'm glad to hear that he's back um we've been backstage but it's it's only right for him to be inserted into this this storyline. Like I don't know like where exactly would be the best fit for him, but he certainly belongs in the storyline. Do you call Bobby Fish back, John? How many fish could a fish fry? Whatever, whatever the uh, the, the saying was. Um, I don't I don't think we'll be hearing Matt Riddle uh, bringing in Bobby Fish for that no. recreation. Never. Renee is outside of MJF's locker room when a uh, Hangman Page shows up. Um, guy traveled all the way to Canada and I'm not quite sure why, like it was just to run into MJF in the back here by, by coincidence. Like, what was he here for tonight? He left his child at home again. Yeah. Like this is a, this is a big, <laughs> big journey from Virginia to, to Montreal, but he, uh, he, he arrives and 
he is asked by Renee about the death match and said, well, you know, I got hit by a cinder block and was choked out, so I couldn't fly for a few weeks. Says that Swerve, you broke into my home, you went into my child's room, but you beat me in a death match, and I can recognize when I've lost. But Swerve, I took something from you in that match that you will never have back, and we will never be done. He promises Swerve that the thing that he wants, he is going to make sure he never gets it. And I'm, I take this to mean the AEW title that yeah. Hangman is going to, I think by the end of this, they could certainly end up where if Hangman is going to play this, um, this role of being the, the obstacle for Swerve to get to this title, Swerve is going to end up the big baby face and yes. it's going to be Hangman as the, the crowd is going to turn on Hangman because they are so into Swerve at this moment and they yeah. want to see this guy in that championship picture. And they, they could end up here with this double turn and the, uh, the almost baby kidnapper will end up the baby face. <laughs> you, you, I think that would actually be an interesting dynamic, though. Like, I, I think Heyman has been, like, he's obviously one of the staples w- w- within all elite wrestling and is, uh, has a continued trend of being w- w- within the same role in terms of his uh, character personality, if you will. And I think it would be a very interesting dynamic to see him fully be on the other end of, of, of the spectrum against uh talent and swerve who is supposed to be positioned as a heel but in this instance over the last few months he's like really um endeared himself to the audience just based off his performances and of course with the addition of Prince not to the entire act it, it just made everything smooth and, and it flowed really well so it, it'll definitely be interesting to see a, a swerve strickland again who is supposed to be positioned as a heel but i think that the audience is just so behind this dude because everybody wants to see him get to that next level, and then you have a hangman page who's this staple in all elite wrestling, and then, like, the crowd sort of pushes him to the wayside for this for, for this other guy, you know what I'm saying, who's who's on the up and up. I, I think that'd be, like, a real interesting dynamic if that was something that comes to fruition. Yeah, I I feel these two, you can... I, I like this, that they are keeping them sort of in, in, in each other's orbit, but yes. they can still go on, because the next time they have a match... It should be several months and it should be for yes. the title. Like that yes. should be a championship program the next time. And based off that Texas death match, when they go to that match again, it's going to be a big deal because of what they did and trying to top that. And it should be a title program by the time you get there. I, I think when you have uh, matches like that, like, and he, he said it, like they're going to be like bond together or connected together. And like you say, always within that same orbit, it's like a, uh, um, um, with Britt Breaking and Thunder Rosa did. Like, those two will always be connected in some way, shape, or form through that match that they had. What was that? St. Patrick's Day Slam 2021. Mm-hmm. They will always be connected. And I think that because of the the great match that Hangman and Swerve had, they'll always be, like you said, within each other's orbit. And again, just to repeat what you said, I think the next time that they do have that big match, it should feel like a, like, it should be a momentous occasion. It should just be like some throwaway random match. Even on, even if it's a singles match on a pay-per-view, I think that it definitely should be for a championship at some point, like whether that's the A, I, I think it would mean more for the AEW World Championship. But I, I'm kind of thinking, like, I guess in the short term gratification, like maybe if Swerve is the person to win that triple crown, that mm-hmm. could be like the next big match in the, in the hangman for that triple crown championship. Maybe you go that route. But it, I, I think it definitely would mean more within the grand scheme of their overall story for it to be for the AEW world championship however you choose to get there so mjf comes out of the locker room and uh jokes about hangman and swerve fighting over who could get more stds in the texas death match hangman responds saying did you laugh 
Um, I did. I didn't laugh at that line. I, 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 I didn't laugh either. It wasn't that funny. It was Amen. A <laughs> says, I don't have thirty minutes to listen to you talk. And MJF says, Well, I need to go out there for thirty minutes to wake them up after you. And Paige comes back. Are we really going to do this? And they go over their whole history of Hangman winning the Casino Battle Royale at Double or Nothing 2019 after eliminating Max, then Max beating him in the Dynamite Dozen Tournament, and MJF bragging that he's had a longer title reign than Hangman, and says that uh, Paige says that one day, MJF, you're going to be 70 years old, living alone, talking to one of your nine cats, and then MJF accuses Paige of being the devil, while Paige figures everyone knows Mm. it's you. That is the devil. And then before they can get into it, Samoa Joe gets between them and warns MJF, we have other issues tonight that don't involve him. And uh, so we get the pull apart. And uh, I guess this brings uh, MJF's challengers and programs up to like a dozen by now. Uh, yes. With Hangman Page hey, added to the list. What, what have you made so far the um the dynamic between MJF and Samoa Joe? Like Joe had, Joe literally said, I think in a promo verbatim, that until we get to world's end, I am always going to be in your vicinity. Like you may not know it, but I'll always be there. So in turn, he has to like care for MJF, but he doesn't care for MJF in the sense that one would use the term care. Like what, what have you made of this whole dynamic between those two individuals as we get closer to what we like three weeks out from? Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're coming up the end of the month. Um, I think Joe has been excellent in a story that can certainly get get pulled into a lot of wacky directions. I thought last week the promo segment uh, with, with Joe uh, when when he came out there, like the first half of that segment, I thought was outstanding. I thought that they did mm-hmm. such a great job setting up the match, and then they did all the devil stuff, and that I just had no time for. So. Like the devil stuff to me is has really been a negative over all of this. I, I don't mm. I don't hate like the the mystery aspect to the devil, but some of this like it's really getting into cartoon territory. With does, like, does it does it feel directionless to you in a way? Like it kind of feels like it's something like they're they're figuring out as they go. It it just it feels to me like it is not um like it feels very cartoonish. It feels very low rent too, with like the costumes and such. They're even making fun of it in the promos, like the uh, uh, whatever uh, Hangman called it, like the uh, the the bargain bin masks that these yeah. guys are wearing. It's just it feels very cartoonish when you do have, I, I think, a really great um, dynamic here with Joe and MJF that I think has to overcome <laughs> some of this uh, devil stuff that we'll get into. Uh, hey, w- up later. W- would you would you put the title on Joe at World's End? Oh, 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 better question. Yeah, would you be against Joe winning the world title? Would you be against him beating MJF for the world title? World? I'm not opposed to it. Um, I guess I guess it's all in like where you see this ending up at. Like personally, to me, I like if I'm going into the next year, like I, I'm looking at like a swerve as my mm-hmm. like big project for next year. And if Joe can help you get there, great. I don't think Joe is your long-term champion. No, 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 no. Yeah, for sure. But you, right. you can do it, like, if you feel there's a need to freshen things up and, and get Max away from that. But it seems so much is tied to, like, the Adam Cole thing. I am sure if one day Tony Khan speaks about it, I'm sure that that injury has caused just a gigantic ripple effect of what they mm-hmm. had mapped out. Like, I think, I think they had to just rebook so Shuffle much of everything. their title scene yeah. with, with the loss of Adam Cole. Yeah, Mark Briscoe and Swerve Strickland is next with a uh, Strickland two and zero in the tournament. Briscoe uh, with his back against the wall, zero and two needs to win. 
um, did not win the match, but uh, they, they had a great outing here. They mentioned the fact that um, uh, the champion, the uh, Continental Classic will be coming back next year at the beginning mm. of the commentary. And then Swerve lands a flying elbow to the back and is working on the neck of Briscoe. Um, they go to the floor. Briscoe is firing off chops, hits a fisherman buster, and then it's Swerve with the rolling flatliner. And Briscoe hits a somersault dive to the floor, an inside-out lariat, and he intensifies here, stops a J-driller, and then Swerve lands the house call, goes for the 450, landing on the knees of Mark, who then cradles. And there was this giant near fall by Mark, who follows with a froggy bow. This time, Swerve gets his knees up. And after a crucifix for a two count, the crowd is like getting to their feet, just applauding mm-hmm. this match. They fight on the edge, DVD by Swerve, and then the Swerve Stomp wins the match in 15 minutes and 45 seconds, eliminating Mark Briscoe. But I, I thought this was a great, great match, and the crowd got really into this. Yeah, this was a really, really fun match, man. It's it, it, like we, we kind of got into it uh, a little bit ago, but it's been really fun seeing like the, the 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 audience just gradually and gradually and gradually get behind swerve and it's because like it, it, it's always cool seeing like the 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 natural progression of a talent within a specific company and it's, it doesn't come off as forced like this is like the more this, this, he's having like a very organic rise right now and it feels like all signs are pointing to some type of world championship again it's that long-term gratification versus the short term and the short term the the winning the Continental Classic, I I don't I don't think that's um a a, a a short on Swerve. I don't feel that way personally. Like I do think the long term gratification is him becoming AEW World Champion or being in that title picture. But I, I wouldn't be upset if he you know won the Continental Classic. I think that's a great achievement to have and to further boost him up. The, the thing that I would be concerned about is like okay he gets this achievement right and then then what like these. He's just like off to New Japan and like off the, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, mm-hmm. what, like what, what, what is the 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 after effect of him winning this tournament outside of the initial achievement, which is a big deal. But like, again, the 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 swerve and, and Mark Briscoe match, like very very fun match. Like you said, the crowd was into it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the dynamic between these two. Like Mark, Mark Briscoe in singles matches has been a, a he's had a great tournament. Yes, like- yes. It, 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 he's he's done really really well, man. Like, but but Mark, Mark Briscoe is like a likable dude. So like, and then he's you know obviously a great wrestler. So it's been very easy to uh, sit through his matches, man, and, and watch him and Swerve go to work in, in this specific uh, instance. So yeah, definitely enjoyed this match. Uh, that probably they think my favorite match of the uh, the night thus far, and then in, in this specific night of the the Continental Classic, the best one. Agreed. Renee interviews Mariah May, who asks her about his her meeting with Tony Khan last week. And they said they're discussing her debut and he loves Japanese wrestling and that it's none of Renee's business. And tonight it's all about Tony Storm and she will be studying Tony uh, in, in the ring. So we we continue. So they're, they're going to build up this uh, this debut. You think they leaning into the um, the 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 craze? super fan storyline you think that's way too on the nose and they're probably gonna lean away from that like i it, at, at some point i kind of felt like they were going that way like when we're being obsessed with tony but like it kind of seems like they've been like pulling back on that a little bit and like she's kind of just like around like the, the 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 friend who's like stalking her prey if you will like waiting for the right moment to jump out there like i, I, I initially i thought they were going to go the whole route like being like obsessed with tony but it kind of feels like yeah they're, they're, they're not making her back. the crazy fan girl yeah, like yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're giving her more of um 
kind of more cerebral um, th- than that. But I, I think everyone sees that as kind of the, you know, she's playing this like understudy that is ultimately going to, right. um, you know, Tar- target, plan target Tony at some point. Yeah. So we were supposed to get MJF and Samoa Joe against the devil's masked men. <laughs> and Joe comes out, the lights flicker and he's surrounded by uh four uh, putty patrol and the lights go out and they come on. Joe is all by himself in the ring and the devil appears on the screen and we cut to MJF who has been laid out backstage with a broken beer bottle and he's out cold. Joe races to the back and you're led to believe that uh, James Storm is coming, right? Is, is that, <laughs> was that the conclusion? No, you're supposed to believe that uh hangman page uh, left his mark here with a, with, with a beer bottle. After- For real? Now, you you want to know what I took from that segment? Because I, I, I remember when um, Hangman and MJF did the whole, when they were doing their whole back and forth, and Hangman said that, you know, you're, you're acting like you're being attacked, but really what's happening is you're like, uh, you're, you're like lay, laying yourself out, if you will. Like, he's acting as if he got attacked. That, that That's what I thought most of they were leaning into, like, Hangman bringing up that point that MJF's acting like mm. he's uh, being attacked. And then, of course... Later shows up in the show when he's supposed to have this match. He's laid out backstage. I think that was like sort of the the connection there. Like MJ, I, I, like it, it it feels like they're 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 trying their best to make leave that sense, leave that like um that uh feeling in the air, if you will, that MJF could be the person behind this uh these attacks. Yeah. But it it just doesn't feel like that. Like, bro, at this point, I really don't know who this individual is. Like, I've I've seen like theories about like it being Jungle Boy, like you know what I'm saying, like this being his grand return. Like, I I I, I, I kind of just said this, but I just want this shit to be over, bro. Like, who is this person? Let's get this over with. Let's move on. Yeah, it's for me th- these these masked devil men. They need to go. Okay, they they've just got to be out. They come across very, very retribution esque. Oh, dude! Like it just it just brings people to like stories that have been awful in pro wrestling. When you have the, <laughs> these goofs under a mask that are just these minions, and it to me it feels like so so minor league uh, mm. as well. So I, I would like to see the masked men just disappear. Let's continue. You can continue with the the who done it. Uh, who who's the mystery devil man? But um, yeah, so. They did not end up delivering on a, a rare AEW match that was advertised that they did not deliver. And um, I guess that all is for the crowd in Montreal, if they were hoping to see MJF and uh, Samoa Joe wrestle or not. Or or if they bought a ticket to see the, the Devil's Masked Men in action. I don't know if there were you, you, too you many have, of those. I, I feel like that would have been like so badly received online if they would have actually went through with that, like doing the whole... Like, just, just imagine, like, the two dudes with the devil bass standing, like, on the corner, the outside of the ring, waiting on the hot tag. Like, <laughs> like I, I just can't, like, uh, think that would have been, like, well-received online if they would actually went through with that. I'm kind of glad they went with, like, some kind of alternative angle. I didn't think it was a loss to the show to to get rid of this match, but... Uh... Yeah, I, I I don't know what the reaction was like in the arena for like to, your, your main eventers for the next pay-per-view as well that you had yeah. advertised as well. But anyway, we go to John Moxley backstage, says that he is humble in front of his God and his mother. But I know exactly who I am. <laughs> I expected to be three and oh, and I expect to be five and oh, I'm the ace of the world. And then Swerve walks up and uh, I don't think they've exactly explained how this uh, how the the point system works and his record because he's calling himself nine and oh. Nine and oh, <laughs> no, you're three and oh, and each win is worth three points. But says, You can't stop my momentum, I will do anything to win. Moxie says, Me too. They'll see each other in Texas, 
and it's confirmed for next week. This was like a simple setup, but by the end, this felt like the main event for next week. It's the yep. two undefeated guys in the gold league, and uh, that will be happening next week in uh in, in Texas. Very much looking forward to that. It's gonna be uh, I think it's gonna be a very fun match. So, so the winner of this uh, winner of that match, they advance out of the out of the uh, the gold league. Well, the winner will go to four and zero, and then they okay. still have one match left. So what okay, they okay. could do, oh, yeah, they yeah, could, yeah, yeah, yeah. it could end okay. up where they get like um. They have a record and they're tied, but then this would obviously break the tiebreaker of who, who right. wins this match as well. So they, they could do that. But I would say the winner of this match, you would think, is positioned pretty strong to uh, to, to win the, the the gold league. Um, That's it. And- I, I know they advertise that uh, Mark Briscoe could potentially play like spoiler yeah. to Jay White next week in terms of like him being in and out of the tournament. So that's a dynamic as well. So. Yeah. Right, because White White would have to win next week to stay in, and uh, like my initial thought was like a Moxley Danielson final. Mm. I feel like you know Swerve and Danielson is Swerve an interesting Daniels. direction. Yep. Um, Kingston in, in going going to the end, but I I think that you know you certainly could go Moxley or Swerve, and I think that people will be ha- happy with that. Swerve just feels like you're riding the hot hand with him yes. at, at this point and putting him in a featured match on the pay per view. You, but you, you want to know, like, outside of Swerve, you want to know who I've been, like, really impressed with this time, Brody King. I've, like, yeah. really enjoying, I've been really enjoying his matches, bro. Like, I, I, this ain't got nothing to do with what we're talking about, but, like, this, the, the House of Black, like, it, it's been so interesting seeing, like, Julia Hart and, and Brody King emerging as, like, the, 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 the front runners in the group, and, like, Malachi and, bro, and, and Buddy Matthews are kind of just, like, they're just kind of, they're just kind of like there in a sense. Like it's so interesting seeing that that dynamic and those two uh, two Pacific Titans emerge, uh, you know, to, to the front. But but yeah, bro, I've been really enjoying Brody King's work uh, throughout this tournament. Like really, really enjoying his his dynamic. But yeah, I, I think Swerve and Danielson is probably the the route to go. What a schedule for Danielson out there, broken over the bone. Jesus Christ, you see this dude? Three, yeah, three so this matches guy... in seven days. Yeah, so he had to wrestle on Tuesday night, and then tonight he was working the Rampage tapings because they yeah. had the match he had to make up for that he missed in the uh, the, the first week. So, yeah, he's doing matches on back-to-back nights in Montreal. Um, hey, you know, if, if, you, if, if you if you Gato, right, and Brad Danielson versus Swerve is happening at uh, at um, World's End, if, if that's the, the that's the finals of the tournament, then you got this big match for the Okada, like, what, like four days later? Like, dude, it, that is like this dude is insane, bro. Like the, the the schedule that he chooses to take on and the matches that he chooses to take on, like in this specific time frame, on a broken orbital bone coming off of that surgery. Like, mm-hmm. you got this big match with Kazuchika Okada, and it, I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to be in the finals of this Continental Classic. I mean, why wouldn't you want to have Danielson there, especially considering he's an AEW contracted talent? But like, you thinking about it, dude, he has Okada in this big rematch, dream match four days later. In Japan, you had the, the New Japan's biggest show in the calendar years. Danielson is insane, dude. He's you know what's insane. weird, and I, I won't get into spoiler territory here, but like there's there's like a, a an injury that they play up with Danielson on the Tuesday tapings, but that's mm. not airing till Saturday. So for, so tonight's match with Garcia airs on Friday, and he's got to work it before the injury airs the next night. Like that's some weird stuff there that you have to figure out. Like you can't really be selling the effects of your Tuesday match on 
Wednesday night Tuesday. because the Wednesday night airs before Tuesday's match. Um, anyway, they they decided but, but, to get into the weird time continuum. But I say, but if if anybody can pull it off, leave it to Danielson. There you go. Ben Mankiewicz of uh, Turner Classic Movies introduced Tony Storm here, saying tonight might be her greatest role yet. Uh, so sit back, chin up, and watch for the shoe. Um, Ben here, not, not not going out for the the, the tits outline. Uh, he he's not he's not going for that line. Obviously, I've I've never heard of this dude until tonight. I've seen like he is a pretty like noteworthy like movie reviewer and and host. But I I I mean I don't we we don't get Turner Classic movies up here. So he's <laughs> he's someone I I have had to look up uh, in the past. But um, I mean it's in the Turner. I mean he was kind of like funny in this in this role yeah, for the, uh, good the yeah i mean it, hey. this was like a cool little turner tie-in that, that you had at your disposal so out comes tony storm with a uh, luther and mariah may to take on sky blue and man i give a lot of credit to sky blue because this crowd was all behind tony storm yeah. they're all chanting for her she was in a really tough role where she's she's kind of been in this tweener position and in this match like she was designed as Sort of the baby face, but really, like everyone was behind Tony Storm, and they mm. were cho- choosing uh, like her over Sky Blue. Um, but I thought they like Sky Blue was the impressive one to me in this match. Uh, she hit Tony with her own hip attack, uh, or sorry, Tony hit the hip attack against the barricade, and then later in the match, it's uh, Sky Blue hitting her own hip attack, does an uh, an Otani style face wash, and then hits the code blue for this great near fall. Storm comes back with the superplex and they did this spot where Luther puts Storm on his shoulders and then mm-hmm. she runs Sky Blue off the apron, which is the most ridiculous looking thing. But it really got over to this crowd where I think they, they have no fear of any ideas for this Tony Storm character. I, I, I think that it works because like the, the, the hilarity of the Tony Storm character and the, just the. You know, you know the, the the comedic relief of it all. Like I think it just works. She she she'll be Tony Storm will be able to pull off things that a lot of other people won't be able to pull off just because of the character that she's playing. But what, what, what have you like so far? Like is is they you know clearly fully behind all in on Tony Storm and this this timeless Tony Storm persona. Like what what have you made of that as we like gone on and of course now her being AEW Women's World Champion. I I think overall it's it it's been a big positive for her. The audience is clearly super behind like the character stuff. And I guess it's kind of taking what works as the character into the match itself and sort of having that balance, because I do think it's, it's an audience that they they do want the strong match on on top of it. And some of this Mm. kind of leans sideways, but I I thought in this match, you know, they, they had the spot with Luther, but in particular, like I thought Sky Blue worked really hard in this match and yeah. this could have gone and the crowd could have just taken over here with their chance for Tony and having fun. But like they got into some of these near falls with Sky Blue. Um, she got the code blue near fall. And then after a Storm Zero counter with a jackknife cover, she was reversed and Storm got the cover in 919. But I thought overall, like the, the audience enjoyed this match and I thought Sky Blue had a, a really good performance. Yeah, speaking of Sky Blue, like what, what I'm really enjoying about um AEW's like women's division, I think over the past like several months or so, when they when they do have the opportunity to um have those spots, like you're starting to see like this young core that they have within that women's division, and they're all like coming into their own like at the exact same time, and that's like a good problem to have when you have these different individuals. Like you just talking about Julia Hart, like her finding herself. You talked about Sky Blue. 
Like she's sort of coming into her own as well. I feel like Chris Statlander is hit like that next. Like she, she's like, I, I, even when she was um like during her TBS title reign, I feel like Chris was like just leveling up like as she went on and stuff like that. And then of course you had Tony Storm who's found like get out into this whole different persona. And then you got people waiting on the sidelines like you got the Jamie haters, you know, waiting on the sidelines. And what was the last time Britt Baker was on TV? You know what I'm saying? She's, like she's you, been off for a while. Yeah, yeah. So you got like a. But AEW women's event, they have like a lot of um, like Th- Thunder uh, Rosa uh, is still Th- out. Thunder like, Rosa, what like what is like? Do, do you remember when Thunder Rosa was doing the videos on her YouTube channel? Like I know we had like updates on the on the post wrestling mm-hmm. site. Like she would she she would like say like you know she was going like the the I, I think it was I think it was when CM Punk was still in AEW. Like she was like um she was going to be at the the, the Greensboro Coliseum or whatever like that, and she was going to have like a workout and like Doc Samson was like it, it looks like she's all good to go essentially like if we just get to this one part and like she's kind of been like i i, I would i would have thought at some point by now she would have been back but i, I guess not but they, they, uh, they another back injury like we were talking about yeah yeah there we go another back injury like um it, it, yeah that, that's another great point like as far as like you can't specifically like put a time frame on these things but uh yeah like going back to aw women but they have like a strong core group of talent that if you essentially just give them the time to let them develop and just put them in spots where it matters, they'll probably more than likely deliver. I've always been like real big on that in pro wrestling. I know it, I know it may not be as simple as, as, as well as how I'm about to put it, but I've always been of the mindset that if you really want to find out if a talent is ready for a certain spot, or if you think that, like if you, if you just want to see if they're ready to hit that next level, the only way to truly find out is to put them in that position. And if they swim, then you look like a genius. If they sink, then you can just regroup and find another way and find another path to get them back to that next level. And like, I think they've sort of done that with a lot of that young core that I was just referring to and just essentially just throwing them to the wolves and see what happens. And a lot of them have shown up and delivered. After the match, Rio made her return. She hasn't been on hey. AEW TV since April. Uh, came out of AEW. and just yeah. uh, just laid out Tony Storm, and that seems to be our next direction for uh, for the women's title here. But she she got a good response uh, c- coming out here. It's been a long time since she's yeah. been uh, on AEW television, and um, so people it, love Rio. Yeah. Then they announced their Canadian tour for next year. They're going to Ottawa, Toronto. At uh, they won't be running. Uh, the Scotiabank Arena, which is where they they did their TV previously, but they're going to be running the smaller Coca-Cola Coliseum where WWE does house shows at. Uh, and then announced dates for Quebec City, London, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Calgary, which I imagine coincides with the uh, the Calgary Stampede like they did uh, this past July, which is smart to piggyback off that. But, you know, outside of like running a smaller venue for Toronto, like they are running like the major arenas in these uh, cities, like um yeah. uh, do, 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 do you think they'll try to use the um the Owen Hart Foundation tournament as a way to like generate ticket sales like for that specific uh tour? I would imagine I would imagine so like the in particular the um the, the western canadian ones like they're May 8th is Edmonton May 11th is Vancouver I could see them maybe starting it around then and mm. you could wrap it up again in in Calgary like that would seem to make sense and you run the tournament over the course of a month there we go. But maybe we get Liger back. Hopefully. <laughs> don't blink. Yeah. I, I don't know if he'll be so quick to get on that plane ride for, for another uh, one. Then we go to Jay Lethal and Jay White in, in the Gold League. And, man, this is when the crowd just took over. They were so enamored that these two guys have the same name in Jay. And that just became – like, 
the crowd was loud for this match, but I don't, I don't know if this crowd was that much into this match versus just like chanting like anything they could think of. And apparently this extended, <laughs> apparently this extended to the main event when they started chanting like Jay for Jay Riso as well. So they just got it in their head about look at all these J's we've got. And that like just took over here. But I mean, <laughs> you turn this on. It was like, this, this felt like a heated match, but yeah. um, I guess you, you'll, you'll take your reaction where you can get it. But um, my, my, my favorite one of the night was the, uh, doing the, the lethal versus Jay white match with the, Let's go, Jay. Jay sucks. Yeah, they're going the, back and forth with the Jay chance. Um, <laughs> bravo, Montreal. <laughs> White uh, is working on Jay's leg. Throughout. This is actually like it, it was like a, a very good technical match here. He snaps Jay's knee, then goes for a brain buster. Each man tries to gouge the other's eye when um, there's a sleeper suplex by White. Then a Blade Runner gets stopped. And as Jay goes, or Lethal goes for the lethal injection, it's caught with the Blade Runner. That gets countered. And then he tries another lethal injection attempt, but gets chop locked and goes down from the knee. Blade Runner into a roll up, but White reverses, gets on top, hooks the leg, and pins Jay Lethal to eliminate him along with Mark Briscoe. So White moves to two and one with six points in the Gold League. But they were, um, I, I thought, like just as, as a match, it was like a nice technical match not, yeah. not not at the level of swerve and mark briscoe i would say of the tournament matches that that was definitely the standout on this show but nothing wrong with the match the crowd just i mean this was their match to have fun with and they did yeah it, it was fine it wasn't like yeah. you know wasn't like you know wasn't like a world beater or anything like that it was it was it was a cool match but like the crowd like they definitely it, it seemed like like this seemed like that point of the show where they were just like we just about to have a good time and they just tried to come up with like any J chant that they could for for this specific match but i i think lethal and um white worked a, worked a solid match um it, it'd be interesting to see how uh how jay white factors into the whole um fact, uh, he continues to factor into the continental classic next week when he faces mark briscoe and how that all pans out hey hey i, I wanted to add like so jay white he's gone from um you know essentially being in the main event scene for like the past several months or so like what, what have you made of the transition from being in that spot to like where he is now and he now he isn't in a bad spot but like I, i'm always curious to see how bookers um book I, I, how bookers move talents away from those like prime time spots and like move them away from it and see like how they can sort of keep that momentum going like what have you made of how they transitioned jay white coming off of that loss to mjf at, at full gear and then in the match not being um as well received as, as, as some might have expected, you know, expecting like a one-on-one match, a simple straight one-on-one match right, between right. two. It was a lot of criticism coming out of it, but how, how have you made of how they transitioned Jay White um, from that loss to, to where he is now? Yeah, I think it's been tricky, but overall, like he's, he's alive in the tournament. I don't think anyone's expecting him to win the tournament, but at least right. he's alive. He should, you know, maybe... Like he should probably get one more key win in in this tournament, um, but yeah, it's like he. I think the the biggest thing he was battling was you know I thought he raised his game significantly going against MJF and like the, a lot of the the talking segments in particular. I like I hated all the the teasing of MJF being taken out on the pay per view, yeah. but the match itself I really enjoyed the match probably more more than most, but. I typically get into like the, the, the lengthier, like Jay White style uh, of matches, which isn't everyone's cup of tea. And I would say with Jay, like, I think he's going to be in good shape re- regardless coming out of this. 
it's tough because you just you have so many of these names that are percolating in this main event mix, and not mm-hmm. all of them are always going to get that sunshine. And right. so with him, I, like I would imagine, he kind of becomes like co- collision centric a- after this tournament, and and that'll be his focus is, is there. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm curious to see like where where he goes after this uh, after the Continental Classic. I, I think he's going to be like a player um, in, oh, in that yeah. upper mix. Yeah, for sure. Then Excalibur, I'm not kidding, had to make 14 announcements for the upcoming three shows. So if you got out your pen and paper, folks, Rampage will have Powerhouse Hobbs and Kanosuke Takeshita against Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel, Abaddon against Trisha Dora, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen appearing, and Brian Danielson against Daniel Garcia in a Blue League match, which is probably the biggest match they put on Rampage in quite some time. Then Collision which was taped on Tuesday, Danielson against Andrade, Claudio against Kingston in the Blue League matches, Mercedes Martinez against Willow Nightingale, and Kenny Omega against Ethan Page. But we're not done yet. Winter is coming next Wednesday. Swerve against Moxley, Jay White against Mark Briscoe, Roosh against Jay Lethal, Samoa Joe will speak, Hangman Page against Roderick Strong, and oh yeah, (laughs) Kevin Marshall and Ross Von Erich return to Dallas next week, uh, which, dude, is quite the coup that AEW got them because you heard um, both Tony Khan and Paul Levesque stating, yeah, we would, we would love to do stuff to promote the movie. And the fact that they're in Texas next week, I promise you, Kevin Von Erich is going to get the biggest reaction on next week's Mm. show. Like when they had brought him back in and around Dallas, dude, he is just super popular from, and and we're talking like, like 40 years since like the real heyday of, of the Von Erichs. Because I remember when um when when uh, Ross and Marshall were in, in, in MLW, mm-hmm. MLW would always like heavily like heavily market them whenever they would come to to Dallas. Like I know oh, they yeah. would, like they, they would send them dudes to do like interviews like with the Dallas Morning News, like promote these dudes like all over these different networks and stuff like that. Like in in, in the area, they they really they they're a hit in, in Dallas, and, and, and I think it works well because MJF is in the movie as well. So you you would naturally assume that there, there's going to be some type of interaction between those individuals maybe they do like a backstage or, 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 so, or something dude, along someone's getting the claw someone's yeah. getting like a three-way claw and you could do you maybe could, maybe, maybe the dudes in the devil mask. yeah maybe the dudes in the devil mask get the, get the claw there you go oh you, you okay you okay. those maybe. guys perhaps so <laughs> hey hey do, 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 hey do you think that marshall and uh ross are gonna stick around in AEW? i could definitely see them i would I would definitely book them on some of these up. Like they're doing a bunch of dates in Texas over the next few weeks. I would at mm-hmm. least use them for a little, at least while this movie is out. And the Von Eric name is going to get a lot of publicity with the, with this movie that yeah. I would, if, if I was, I would at least like be entertaining. Yeah. The idea of them um, it being used. I, I could certainly see them being used. likely probably like take something for rampage, like try to use that as like, Hey, you guys are going to see Marshall and Ross in action. That, that's say. a good idea. Do the angle on Wednesday and set up yeah. a match for Friday. That will be in the same building. Yeah, you could yeah. certainly do that. And and yeah. you could have Kevin in the corner for for both. Yeah. So there that's go. there you go. We we've just booked Rampage. For <laughs> Main event. It is Christian and Adam Copeland. If there was any doubt what this crowd was here to see, the bell rang and dude, this place was amped. Okay, and this was not them just like having fun with chance. Like they, they, it was super heated at the beginning and. 
it was almost like this audience was like, are they really going to give us this match? And when the bell rang, they're like, oh, we're, we're really getting a 20-minute main event here between these two. So very aggressive from Copeland in the beginning. He's bashing Cage's head into the desk, stops a low blow, and he stomps Christian's hand. And it's all Copeland until Cage tosses him over the barricade, and we go through the, the commercial break. Christian tries for a frog splash, getting a two count, and then he sets up for the spear, but it's countered into an impaler DDT. They did a bunch of spear teases with counters that were really well done in this. Copeland hits a Liger bomb for a two count, and then the kill switch gets stopped, and they just start going through near falls. The spear gets set up by Copeland, and the crowd raises to its feet, waiting for (laughs) Copeland to hit this, but instead Cage leapfrogs and hits uh, Copeland with the kill switch for a big, big near fall. So now it's Christian's turn to tease the spear, runs into the corner, and somehow in Copeland running out of the corner, he knocked into Bryce and must have like decapitated the man because he was down for like five minutes from this errant brush from uh, Adam Copeland. So with the ref down, Christian kicks him in the balls, grabs the TNT belt, and then Edge ducks the Edge, Copeland ducks the belt shot, and they do a... (laughs) They do a double spear spot where both go down. And with that, out comes Shayna Wayne. And she walks down and 5,200 people realized, oh, this is the finish we're getting. And she grabs the belt and she's, which way? The, The announcers are like, she's conflicted. I was like, should you be calling that she's conflicted when we're not supposed to believe she's conflicted here? But she stands there. She's looking at both. Dex Adam Copeland, the crowd boos this kill switch by Christian, and then he stands on the neck and stomps Adam Copeland's neck before pinning him. And this is right up against the hour. Uh, they actually went over by like a minute or two. Michael Sampson gets into the ring to add the uh, the realism here, and we just cut. We are off the air, and you're uh, left to believe that uh, Adam Copeland's neck is broken. Did, did you did you hear Bryce Brinsberg when, when Christian um, was standing on? Uh, I, I think after he. I think he was like, you know, he, he stepped on Copeland's neck and he was holding up the TNT belt. And you can like audibly hear Bryce Rinsberg saying, go, 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 go. Oh, really? Like, you, you can like audibly hear that. And I, I I had to rewind it on my TV to make sure that I was hearing that right. Like, cause, and I looked at the time, I was like, that they kind of, because, you know, usually they do the thing where they like, we're going to stick with this as yeah. long as we need to. And it is like two minutes after. This one, they made it clear. It's like the, this match yeah. is scheduled for like 20 minutes or television <laughs> time remaining. And there was no, hey, we're going to go five past. Like, I think they had the heart out on this one. And yeah. um, they did go like a minute or so over. But yeah, they raced uh, to get off the air at the end here. Really, like, I would say somewhat you, you would maybe want to like let, let it digest a bit let more. Like the turn yeah. and the guy's neck has just been compromised here at the end. Um I thought the big spot at the end was going to be like Christian wins this match and then he just makes out with Shane Wayne in the middle of that ring yeah. and this place would have gone livid, um, which they still might go in that direction. But um, I, I will imagine people's like uh, thumbs up or thumbs down will come on how they receive the angle at the end. But I thought this was a hell of a match before yeah. um, the, the turn at the end, which I mean, Christian is probably going to be pretty great paired with this woman and Nick Wayne. Yes. Um, I think it will make for some good storyline stuff. Um, but dude, I, I thought the two had, this was a great match. I thought they had a really strong match, great crowd. And they came up with a lot of cool stuff in this. I, I was definitely expecting Copeland and, and Christian to have a like solid match at least. And I think with the, when, when you, when, when you have a, um, 
a crowd like that that's just excited to see the match. It only amplifies the match overall. Like even like they, I, I think that Copeland and Christian, like it was no question that they were going to work were like really smooth together, and the crowd only amplified that. So yeah, what well, well, I wasn't like surprised per se that they had the the, the match they had as far as the um the post match angle. You know the um this is the most probably the most like untrustworthy family tree pro wrestling. Like you got Nick Wayne turning on Darby, and now you got Shane and Wayne with Shane and Cage now. Where's the lining with Christian Cage? Shane Cage and Nick and Nick Cage and Christian Cage and uh, whatever Kill Switch Cage and whoever else is Cage. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I remember initially when I saw it, I was kind of like, ah, they they going this route. But then like when I started thinking about it, I was like, just thinking about like the run that Christian has been on specifically. I'm just like, he's going to make this work. Christian is going to make this work, and this is probably going to be funnier than what I initially thought when I saw the angle, because I'm like, oh, maybe, like, you know, I, I assumed that she was going to align with Christian, but then, like, I, it was just my initial thoughts about it, and then, like, when I started thinking about it more and more, I was like, Christian's probably going to make this work, and this is probably going to be, like, a fun... Oh, dude, ima- imagine the television wedding between Christian it, and Shayna Wayne. It, it, it's going to be hilarious. Like, it's probably going to be, like, a fun, like, good two two to three months of television that they can get out of this. Dude, Christian, dude, this run that he's been on, this is, like, but there's nothing that I enjoy seeing more than like um, a, a, a a veteran wrestler that is able to find like that next gear later on in their career, and it actually works. And it's not like this um this forced thing that they're trying to convince you that works, and it's like it, it just doesn't fit. But like he's not Christian living off like, any nostalgia. Like he he's not. But this is like some fresh dude. This dude has literally gotten over by talking about people's dead fathers. Like that that's essentially where this all began. And then, like now, he's like transitioned into just you, more so leaning away from the um the the, the 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 memeable aspects of that, and like channeling that heat and just making sure that it's like it's more wrestling centric now, and like he's able to channel that off to Nick Wayne and 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 uh, Luchasaurus or Kill Switch, whatever his name is now. So yeah, man, th- th- I I think that this is gonna be a fun storyline that they're that they're gonna uh, get off. It'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. But you talking about uh. I, I was going to talk about the winners coming thing, but we could finish off uh, uh, the, the Christian angle. Yeah, Shana, no, I, cage. I can understand some people like after like a 20 minute match and you get like, the, you know, the, the run and finish with the ref bump and everything. But I personally like I like where the story is going because I think it's going to be I, I think the lead up to this was was pretty good. Like once you got Adam Copeland into more of like this this state of, OK, the match is on. I'm coming for your title and everything like that seemed to really dial everything in. The Christian work's been very strong, and I think him with Shayna Wayne is going to be really entertaining stuff that you can extend this with. So, and, and I thought it was like a great match up into it. And it's like if the, if the angle is to, to further something strong, then I'm all for it in in that yeah. case. So, um, I don't know what the reaction was like uh, for, for, from others because uh, I didn't get to see. But overall, like I thought it was. Uh, I, I thought overall, like there, there were some really good matches on tonight's show between the like yeah. the, the Continental Classic matches have been pretty consistently strong, and tonight you had that that Swerve Briscoe match that I, I thought was the best of the bunch, really good main event, and like the the women's match they gave them the crossover segment uh, starting yeah. off hour two, which is uh, unfamiliar territory, so it showed that mm. they felt that that had the strength for a, a segment like that, and I thought in particular Sky Blue performed really well in a in an environment where a lesser um, performer in that role could have just been steamrolled by a crowd that was just super into like the, the cult attraction of Tony storm. But that, that, that reminds me, it, that just came to mind. I, I think it was, um, 
this was 2022, I think it was. And I remember when they were doing the Owen Hart uh, Foundation qualifiers. And I think uh, Red Velvet was facing, I want to say Willow Nightingale. I think she was facing Willow. And like the crowd was like, and and Red at this point was like an established baby face talent within AEW. And I remember, but this is when Willow was like on on, on an up and up and the crowd kind of, turned on red a little bit and that, that, that kind of just reminded me uh, of that situation a little bit and seeing how she adjusted in that specific match um but yeah it's scott i think scott blue did a really good job um adjusting to the crowd and they they they, 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 they like they, they were behind tony storm but they weren't against scott blue they were right. just like more for tony you know if that makes sense it's a super popular act in tony storm it so it's yeah it's it's tough when you're like I I thought at the last pay per view like would Hikaru Shida be in that and she was another one like the you know they they turned you know it, it wasn't like the crowd was against Hikaru Shida um in, in that one either. Let's go to uh, some feedback. If you have any super chats, you can send them in. Jake writes in with the Canadian dates now out. It makes me think is AEW sort of missing out by not doing a full UK and Europe tour outside of Wembley. So Tony Khan had stated that All In is yeah. going to be their only. UK date. Do you think it's smart to just build up to the one big stadium event, Andrew, or do you think that there's more to be had by piggybacking with some other TV over there or or doing a separate tour, maybe at a, a different time in the year? How would you go ahead with like the, the success in the UK for them? I, I think for the first this first go around that they did this past August, I think that's fine. But I mean, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's like it, it hurts. Uh, it, it would hurt AEW to run like a dynamite that week from the UK. You know what I'm saying? Just to add a little bit more like, a razzle-dazzle, if you will, to the overall week and, and continuously build that up and stuff like that. I mean, dude, we're still pretty sure they can run like, what you run, the O2? O2 Arena? Run the O2? You know what I'm saying? You can run something like that. And oh, 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 what, was, what was that um, that that venue that they were talking about uh, like before uh, – like, um, but it was it was way before AEW like announced the uh, the the all in like going to London. I remember they what was the, it, the crop the Craven Craven Craven's Cottage Craven's Cottage, Cottage. That, yeah, yeah Craven's Cottage. That, 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 yeah, there we go. Like you you can run something like that. You know what I'm saying? Do do something along those. I don't think it, I think it would just add to the overall attraction of the week, and that could be your own big you know AEW week in London, England. And you know, just have a very different events and stuff like that, turning into a big festivity. Like y'all gonna be, I, like, I, dude, they've done like really well with these ticket sales, like for for um for for all in twenty twenty four. Yeah, promoting this thing 10, 10 months, nine months out, they've done like really well from what I've seen so far. So I mean, just judging by that, I'm assuming that it's gonna be like sixty thousand, seventy thousand people that's gonna pack this thing out at, at Wembley next year. So I would I, I I would be all for like them you know, going and doing the dynamite and maybe giving the people like a rampage in addition to that, you know, I don't see the harm in it. Let's go to uh, the forum here. A couple pieces of feedback uh, before we wrap up. Benjamin writes, I can't imagine fans in the bell center being too pleased with a shenanigans finish on that Copeland cage match. I'm a little Mm -hmm. disappointed since it took a match that I've wanted to see between two talents and different stations throughout their WWE runs and giving them a platform to do a match without the WWE style shenanigans. I feel like, Switch in the Matrix, kneeling in front of Trinity, murmuring a painful, not like this, not like this, before being unplugged. I know this isn't the end of the program with Copeland and Cage, but in my opinion, it's a misstep that costs creative capital. We didn't need a primer or sampler match en route to a better one. We just needed the two talents working the shit out of one. Whomever is influencing the creative or whatever this booking trend is with Tony Khan, I hope it ends soon or evolves into something better. 
So there you go. Uh, thumbs down on the booking tonight. Have you seen like some of the um? I, I've seen a lot of that criticism about Tony Khan. I, I guess in his the, the booking strategy, like leaning more into the um the, the entertainment aspect, if you will, and like leaning more heavy heavily into. It. Have you noticed that trend? And and, and what sort of your I guess your your thoughts about it? Like I I mean I I think AEW is kind of like always like from the start they've there've been like those little drops of like those entertainment wwe s things that that a lot of people compare it to like even when uh like i I know those were like advertisements and stuff like with kenny omega and then would come out like in the the costumes or or whatever it is the themed stuff or whatever you know what i'm saying just stuff like that you would always see that sprinkled in at certain points but i guess now I think it's more. a great point that that you bring up that like you can certainly find di- like different areas of AEW's history that you know I-, I think some of the most polarizing hires for them are ones where p- people don't have like a great sight of like what their actual contributions are. Like you look like a, at a at a Mike Mansuri whose name I just always hear people bringing up. It's like mm-hmm. here was this guy that was in WWE for for over a decade, so it's just the natural assumption that. He's bringing all of this kind of uh, WWE influence uh, with him. Mm. Or you hear like a Jimmy Jacobs is is in a position where um, pe- people are going to look at like his his creative tendencies as well. And and therefore, you put all of this under a microscope. Like just for instance, if if that dinner debonair skit with Jericho and MJF aired today, I think it would be Ooh. crucified by people. Oh, yeah. Not to say it was perfectly received then, but today <clears throat> I think people would be just outraged that this is the WWEification of this oh, company. Yeah. If something like that were to air, even though at that time it was the the quote unquote like golden era, and and it worked at the time, like it caught them. You know, it's I I think whenever you are sensing like there is an influx of of different people, especially that have uh, WWE pass in a, in a creative or production um, capacity. <laughs> But, but Jimmy Jake has been an impact for like like fast what like five years. You know well, I, I think as well people are looking at some of the creative there as well in right, impact right, right, where right. they they yeah. they went pretty far out there like murdering people. <laughs> so I think like he he gets that as well as like the uh the the, the WWE uh on his resume as well. But yeah, I mean I mean there's listen there's stuff on the show I'm enjoying there's stuff on the show I'm not enjoying like the the big angle like the, this devil thing like I'm I. I was one like I was not super crazy about all the MGF Adam Cole stuff, but it was definitely attracting a certain audience. Like I can't deny that it, it was popular for for some people. It wasn't my cup of tea, but you sort of have to be looking at what what's making the most impact, what's working, and are we satisfying the most amount of people? Knowing that th- there are going to be people that are turned off by like heavy like comedic portrayals of like, like an MJF the non non in ring aspects of the of the show yeah yeah which this company has largely like built itself upon where like very limited backstage skits very limited intern like not to say it's like a straight bell to bell wrestling non-stop but it was heavily concentrating on like you know you'd get five to six good to excellent matches every wednesday on dynamite and you know it's you, you can see with, with the matchmaking like not every match is designed to go out there and be this this four star you know unbelievable television match and right. you're, you're trying to weigh all of that so i get some of the criticisms but some of them i think are kind of overemphasized too 
Let's continue here with uh, Andrew from Cape Breton. Another good show tonight. It's crazy to say that this company is having one of its down periods, but I guess when most people think of down periods, they think of WCW in 2000 or the Hogan era in TNA. Speaking of which, it seems Aces and Eights showed up tonight. Maybe Brother Devon is the devil. They used to drink all their beers through their balaclavas. There seemed to be a lack of emphasis on the devil storyline as the angle was real quick tonight, and I like the potential direction of MJF against MJ, uh, Page against MJF in the future. I like the direction everything is going in AEW, and maybe instead of the on-screen product, they need to start working on local promotion of their events, as I heard that was an issue with the collision taping. Things seem to be turning around a bit, especially with the news of Brian Danielson fining people for their social media behavior, which might be the best news AEW has had all year, including the Wembley attendance. <laughs> there, there was a lot in that. A lot, a lot, a lot of different points that this, uh, that this gentleman hit. Uh, but like one, one of the things, I, I guess, like going back to the, the, the devil thing, like I, I think, I think, bro, just a lot of people are just ready for this thing, like to just speed up and like get into like the the, the nuts and bolts of it instead of just like waiting. Like this, that, that, the the, the uh, uh, excuse me if I don't remember. Like, has there been a, ch- a time when the, the the person behind the mask is like verbally addressed anything yet? Has, has that happened yet? Like, I can't. Like, my memory's falling. Might have had like some distorted voice box or, so, or something okay. at some point, but not like a, a human voice. I, I think I, I think that people are just ready to see the next progression of this thing. I think some people are just ready for it to be over. Like I I, I do think there are like especially tonight you can see like those um when, when it gets clogged up in storylines, especially with this Joe and, and MJF thing when that's the primary focus. But then you also have the devil aspect. I think a lot of people are just ready for this thing to just like let's just let's just move on so we can speed up this whole process type of deal. What if, what if it's revealed to be Brian Danielson and the minions oh, are the disciplinary God. committee? Jesus Christ, Brian Danielson is the the the, the, the devil. Did that actually might work considering like the uh, him being what the, the the position? That he, did you see the interview that he did when, when he addressed like the um like him him being the the I guess like the head of the on the, the on the committee. committee? Yeah. Yes. And, and did you yeah. see the interview that he did? Yeah. That dance is always like great in those uh. What's the name? What's the name? Media setting, but that actually would be funny if he was the devil, him being the head of disciplinary at AEW and stuff like that. Last one here is Jordan from the Bronx. The tournament matches have been mostly predictable, but very entertaining. Less interference, clean finishes, and every match has weight to it. If this concept could be applied more to the rest of the product, then we'd be really, then we'd really be in business. Too often, heels resort to dirty tactics, ref bumps, run-ins, and other trickery that leaves competitive matches feeling flat. Tony Storm's mm-hmm. matches require a lot of quick draw production on the fly, and most of the cues were missed. Heavily looking forward to Mox and Swerve. I thought they would have saved that for the last block match. Either way, I'm torn between who I'd want to win. I'm a big fan of both. Maybe we get our first draw. That's a possibility you could do next week. You could do the 20 minute draw if you uh, if you don't want to like uh, tip your hand either way. But I would say like from like this is the value of doing a tournament that people get into is like once the stakes are there, like here are the two mm-hmm. undefeated guys after three matches. It means that much more for a match that I'm sure people were already interested in. But now it's heightened. Yes, yeah, so to his point about um just the structure of the tournament. I, I have really enjoyed the um, the aspect of people not being allowed at ringside and the the limiting the interference and stuff like that, especially for the heels. It just allows for like a very straightforward wrestling match that, that I think a lot of people, especially the the primary AEW audience, like clamors for. That's kind of what they desire and that's what they want. Just these straightforward bell to bell wrestling matches and leave all the the extra stuff to the wayside or save it for after the match. So I, so I think that has worked really well um, in AEW's favor in terms of, like, I guess, gaining back or regaining the the, the, the 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 trust of some of their core audience who maybe felt like they were leaning towards more of that entertainment aspect. 
And there, everybody, is uh, tonight's edition of Dynamite from uh, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And uh, this has been a great time chatting, uh, catching up with my man, Andrew Thompson. My God. And you are going to be back, uh, not this weekend, the following weekend with the NWA podcast with uh, Nate Milton and the man who I was joined by today with Brandon Thurston, Dr. Chris Ely. Hey. So I got uh, I got two thirds of the NWA podcast to chat with uh, today. So um, I'm sure you guys will be chatting about the big return of a. Uh, Phil Brooks. Yeah. Uh, Chris was very clear in letting us know today that you guys all called, that you all knew that CM Punk <laughs> would be back. And uh, the only question that I have that I'm going to submit a question for this month is that if CM Punk gets to headline WrestleMania with Seth Rollins on night one, will he be considered headlining WrestleMania? Bro, that, that is one of the funniest conversations that I ever think we had about the, uh, if people don't know what John's talking about, me and Chris had like this huge debate about like if night one of WrestleMania is considered like a true main event. It, it, it was probably one of the funniest conversations we have had. Very, very. I'm uh, gonna get you guys a shirt. I'm gonna night one headliner. Night, very, very. <laughs> or night two headliner. Man. You can have the that, two as well. The one of one of the great moments in NWA podcast history. That was a great time. I definitely enjoyed myself on that podcast. But uh, you you talking about the um. Listen, I, I wanted to mention that winter is coming. They, they didn't announce Sting for Rick or Rick Flair for next week, did they? No, you're I, right. Yeah, I, I, I would assume because what's that going to be the, the three year anniversary since? Yeah, then? that's right. Three years since Sting AEW. arrived. Yeah, man. Hey, hey, have you tried Woo Energy? Have no, you tried no, I will not be trying. Do, the Woo do, Energy. Do, do, do you have any attention? I don't think it's even available up here. I would imagine. Do, do you see it in stores? Is it any? Have you ever seen it out in regular stores? I have not seen. I, I, I have not seen. I have like zero interest in trying any blue energy. I feel like that shit probably make you piss dragon blood. I don't want to drink any type of blue energy drink or anything like that. I'm good. I'll tell you, you, you can't throw a rock here without hitting a prime uh, <laughs> energy drink, dude. That thing's everywhere. Pr- prime all over the place in, in yeah. Canada. I've never tried it, but uh, it's it's everywhere. Every store you go in, you see prime. Like Dave, look at that. He's he's making some bank off that prime energy drink. I I, I saw he was on one of the um. I think one of like the the CNBC, I think like Squawk on the Street or something like that. When he was talking mm-hmm. about like he made like a billion dollars in the KSI revenue off the prime, I was like, God, yeah, damn, open people, up the books. Let's, let's, let's see that. <laughs> I want to see that. Stuff. But yeah, man, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a lot of stuff going on in pro wrestling right now, man. Wrestling is uh, wrestling is loaded. We got deadline this week, final battle next week. What's oh, your What's your level battle. of interest for uh for for, for final battle, dude? I am not really interested in much on that show outside of Athena versus Billy Starks. Like that is a I mean, that's great... a third of the matches that have been announced so far. So <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they've got three matches as of right now. Like they haven't an... we're a week out. What's gonna where, be on this card? Where, where's the uh where's the show again? It's in, they're doing back to back nights in Garland, Texas with oh, uh, Garland, collision Texas. the Saturday. Yeah. Garland, so they're doing Texas. the same building both nights. Yeah, so uh, Athena and Billy Starks, that's the the mark that's the main event like that's, that's you're you're yeah. in texas for for athena like that that oh, yeah, should yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you figure like there's obviously not going to be an eddie kingston title defense if these titles are up in the tournament you've the bucks and hangman lost the six-man tag titles joe gave up the the tv title like your your biggest star is like athena on this show yeah so yeah i, I think it might be best bet the role with athena i mean that's the, it's the strongest story within that roh uh, yeah. brand anyway so i mean you might as well just lean into it it's been it's been a great story that they made it, it's kind of crazy like that like um like one of the strongest like angles within the aw slash rh women's division is like oh i'd say it's the strongest women's program they have yeah 
Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like not highlighted like on the main program, but it's like the strongest story. You know, it's it's just interesting that whole dynamic and that. Keep running with with Athena in in this role, or yeah, do, do, like she, do, do you move her up? She's like, see, this is the thing, right? She's like killing it right now. And I again, we we talked. I know we talked years ago, like on the. Uh, uh, when they and Chris, we had had this discussion about like where Athena goes, and I was just saying like, dude, just you might as well just keep letting her run with it at this point. Because like, if you this this is my whole thing, right? Okay, you can move towards Billy Starks and let her run with it, but the thing with that is, okay, you have Athena on the side now. What do you do? Like, okay, let's th- th- say she just moves, she goes on the AW AW's primary women's division, their primary roster. I feel like she'll just be right back in the exact same position that she was prior to the ROH Women's World Title reign. And then we'll just be stuck at, like, we'll be right back at uh, first base with, with this whole thing again. You know, I, I feel like at this point, you might as well just keep running with it until you find, like, that that right right person. And I, I think that person may be Billy Starks or maybe as Willow Nightingale. I think I think Willow could be the person to take the title off. They haven't done the one. I, I would assume at some point, Tony wants to do that one-on-one with Ronda versus Athena. Like, I, I would want to get that done at some point, like, try to make that happen at, at, at some point in time. But, yeah, Athena, I think they should just let her run with it, dude. Like, until you just find that right, right time. What's it, what's it two years now that she'll, that she'll be always Women's World Champion or coming up on two years? Because she won the title at she she beat Mercedes. Wait, was it was Death that? Before Dishonor last year she won it? I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember off the top of my I, head. I, bro, I, I think she won the, the title at Final Battle 2022. I, I I think I might be. Uh, I know she'd be Mercedes, and I remember Athena's mother was um was in attendance, and I remember they were like playing that up and digging that up. Uh, yep, it was at ROH Final Battle 2022 last year. Oh, okay, okay, so it's yeah. a year. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm tripping. Too. There we Christ, go. I said two years. Yeah, oh, there we go. Yeah, there you go. Well, everybody, uh, thanks so much uh, for tuning in. Andrew, uh, we have to do these more often. It's always fun uh, catching up with you. Again, you can follow all of his work uh, at postwrestling.com and follow the man at A.D. Thompson underscore underscore. Emphasis on the double underscore. Okay, he's he's bringing that into vogue for, for everybody <laughs> out there as well uh, in all of his uh, social media handles. I mean, whatever whatever social platform uh, you, you expand onto once uh, once Twitter just blows up, uh, please keep the double underscore. You've really mm-hmm. popularized it. Hey, did you did you ever get in the threads? Did you ever get into that? I'm I'm on threads, but I'm 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 hanging on by a thread. Let's just say <laughs> like it's 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 not. I'm there because it's like it's it's my my backup thing, but man, it's uh, I I I don't sign up for social media so that like it's a chore that I've got to like keep the stuff updated. It's like I go on threads. I was like, dude, there's like tumbleweeds here. Like it's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, come on, is is anybody here? Knock knock. So anyway, uh, threads threads exist. They had a great weekend when everyone was uh upset, um, but it it, it still continues. Is going to wrap everything up. Uh, Friday, I will be back. It is Rewind Smackdown and making his his big debut with me, at least. Our man, Neil Flanagan, will be uh, here to review Tribute to the Troops with me. Maybe he'll sing a little Hardy for us or The War and the Treaty um, as well. So, And he will be taking calls as well. So you can uh, call in postwrestlingcafe.com exclusive on a Friday night. And then coming up this weekend, uh, Brandon Davey will have a deadline review on a Saturday night and Sunday, it'll be uh, delayed by a day uh, with Karen Peterson and, or sorry, with Kate from Montreal and John Ceno chatting collision course. And uh, Kate uh, was at the shows in Montreal this week. So we'll mm. get a live perspective from her. We've also got 
our man W.H. Park, our other man, W.H. Park, with Karen Peterson on Friday for Post Pro Res. So a ton of shows coming your way up at postwrestling.com. Andrew, thank you, as always, for uh, jumping on with me. Wei Ting will be back next week. He uh, he thanks you greatly for, uh, for joining us tonight as well. And uh, that's it. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. That will conclude Rewind a Dynamite.